here. My name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor, and we're going to be starting a new series today titled Ghost, right? It's Halloween season, so we're just going to be talking about ghost stories, totally joking. Uh, We're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, amen, right? We're in a season where the paranormal and the supernatural is kind of celebrated, but oftentimes in a dark way, and we want to say, you know what, no, during this time, let's celebrate the real Holy Spirit, the one with real power, the one with with, uh, the real supernatural abilities, and so we're going to be spending three weeks going over this series, Ghost, and we're going to be looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and specifically how he works in, in our lives. You know, we see that the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture works in three ways. He works with us, He works in us, and He, and he comes upon us and works through us. And so, we're going to be going over those uh, over the next few weeks, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Let's go ahead and pray and just ask for his presence to be over this time. Let's pray and ask for his um, spirit to, to really bring about the truth from this scripture as we're, we're going through it. Jesus, we, uh, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. It would be one thing to uh, just talk about him, Lord, but it's another thing when we really hear from him, when he works in our hearts, when he reveals the truth of your scripture to us, God. So, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need them every day, but we also need them right now in a real and powerful way during this sermon, Lord. It would be foolish of me to think that we could just understand the Spirit with our minds, Lord. But this is something that we have to experience through His power coming upon us, Lord. So I pray that that's true right now, that every person's heart is receptive to your work right now, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. So the big question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Oftentimes, when, when people talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, there's some mystery to it, right? If you ask people about it who are or maybe not too familiar with Scripture, they think that it's a little bit like, you know, a, a spiritual force. Or it's just simply, you know, God kind of working in, in a spiritual way. But it's a lot more than that. We, we believe that the Holy Spirit is a part of the triune God. The Holy Spirit is not a force, right? This isn't... Uh, this isn't Star Wars, right? This isn't some just kind of like energy force throughout the world. And if you have more, a uh, higher midichlorian count in your blood, you'll be able to access the force. I know I just got really nerdy with you guys. I'm sorry, right? I like Star Wars a lot, right? Okay. Uh, it's actually not a, like they added that in the prequels. And most true Star Wars fans actually really hate the whole midichlorian thing. It's basically bacteria in our blood cells that like allows us to access the force in, in Star Wars. Okay. It's kind of lame. It's not like that at all, right? The Holy Spirit is not just a force. It's certainly not bacteria in your blood cells. Uh, it is a person of God, right? The triune God is three persons who are one. That is the doctrine of the Trinity. And the Bible um, speaks of the three that are one, right? And so I'm going to just go over the doctrine of the Trinity because if we're going to understand the Holy Spirit, the first thing we have to understand is the doctrine of the Trinity. Amen. So we're going to go over that, and then uh, we'll dive into specifically the Holy Spirit as well. The Bible speaks of all three creating the universe. All three creating. Jesus created, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, and the Father created. Right? It's a sign of the Trinity there. So from the beginning of the Bible, we know that there were three that were working in creation, that were working to bring about the universe. Uh, it says that we are baptized in the name of all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another sign of the Trinity. Because oftentimes people say, hey, where's the Trinity in the Bible? And I I don't see that word. But once you have that 
idea explained to you, it is throughout the entirety of Scripture. Over and over again, you see the Trinity throughout. So it's baptized in the name of all three. Uh, this wonderful verse that we'll get to more throughout this series, but for, the, for this sake, we'll, we'll point it out here. Second Corinthians 3, it says that now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Saying He is the Spirit, and there's the Spirit of the Lord, right? Because the three are one. In Acts, Peter uh, tells uh, Ananias that when he's, uh, they're lying to him, he says that you have lied to the Spirit and lied to God. He's calling the Spirit God there. Um, all three resurrected Christ. We have a slide for that. Um, you see in multiple places throughout the book of Acts that it says that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. But Jesus, a couple times in the gospel, says that he would raise himself up from the dead. Well, which is it? Well, the three are one. And we also find in Romans a couple times that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And so there's another um, clear picture of the Trinity. Another thing is you see that Jesus speaks to the Father. Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, you know. So you see that they're, they're, they are one, but they aren't the same thing. There's a, there's a heresy called modalism, which is that it's just God shifting. He's just a shapeshifter, right? Sometimes he looks like a father. Sometimes he looks like the son. Sometimes he looks like the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the doctrine of the Trinity. The early church rejected that immediately, that doctrine. It's the three are one. So it's not a shape-shifting God who looks like the Holy Spirit sometimes and like Jesus other times. And that would be crazy because if you read the scriptures, it's clear that Jesus is speaking to the Father. And he's speaking of sending the Holy Spirit separate but one still. The uh, official doctrine um, of the Trinity, um, there's a few ways to word it, but this is basically what basically you know all Christians believe is, Uh, This is actually from our website. I pulled it off. We believe in one personal God who is one in essence and exists in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one in nature and essence, but three in works and substance. So I have a picture here for us to get a kind of a visual for the Trinity. So... This is the best one that I can find because you always have these analogies and they always have something wrong with it because there's nothing else in the universe like the Trinity. So when you compare it to water or any of those things, it falls short or will lead you astray because there is nothing else like the Trinity. Um, there's God, right? The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, but they all are God. This is the best way to view the Trinity And, you know, we hear of water and egg and things like that. But the problem is that those analogies fall short. And what we have is something that is completely unique because God is unique. And there's nothing else like him in the universe. The Holy Spirit has all of the attributes of God. Um, Some of the important ones we see that he's omniscient. He is eternal. and He's omnipresent. So he is fully God and has all of the attributes of God. But most importantly, and what I really want to focus on today, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. And that's incredibly important for us to know, is that he's a person. He's not just a spiritual force. And I feel like sometimes Christians can tend to just treat him like a spiritual force that they can access, rather than a person who wants to work in their life. 
And so throughout Scripture, we see that, you know, we baptize in his name. He has a name because he's an individual, the Holy Spirit. He's continually called he, like, is an individual. Uh, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, showing that he has emotions and views things and, and it maybe disapproves of things. The Bible says that he has a will, that he can be sinned against, he can be lied to, we're to obey him, we're to honor him. All of these are characteristics of a person, not a force. So are we on the same page here? This is a, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, so part here is, uh, so if he's a person and he's powerful and he's God, what does he do, right? What does the Holy Spirit do? Now, the thing is that, like, most often the Holy Spirit is known for kind of weird stuff. You ever notice that? Like, sometimes you're like, is that the Holy Spirit? Oh, that seems a little weird. Or people who are on the outside of the church, they kind of hear about the Holy Spirit, and, and they're kind of weirded out by it. You ever notice that? Like, I don't know about that, because oftentimes what's most known about the Holy Spirit is weirdness. <laughs> and uh, I want to clarify something. The Holy Spirit is not paranormal or, or anything like that. He's supernatural. So some of the things that God does through the power of the Holy Spirit will be miracles. And they won't be in the natural. They won't be in the flesh. He will do things that are miraculous and supernatural. And so sometimes it might be a little bit weird, right, to those who think of things only in a worldly sense when God's doing something supernatural that is weird. But there's also a lot of weird stuff that's done in the name of the Holy Spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we have to understand that, that he's not um, going to possess you and, and make you do crazy things. The Holy Spirit's not going to ever override your free will. That's something that I've, when I've talked to some people about their fears about the Holy Spirit as unbelievers or new believers, is, I, is that like a possession? Like, I'm going to be possessed? Like, you're saying he's going to come in me? Like, it's not like that. He's not going to overtake your free will. He's going to regenerate you and work in you and bring about works of righteousness. He's going to work out ministry through you, but he's not going to possess you or, or cause you to do some kind of weird thing that you're uncomfortable with. That's not, that's really not how it goes, but he will use you even for miraculous things. All right. So I want to clarify. Um, I want to clarify that. Well, you know, the thing is, is that we do have a spiritual world. The Bible talks about this a lot. There's a spiritual world and there are other spirits that have power in this world that do things that people might say, oh, that was, that maybe that was the Holy Spirit, or hey, maybe this or that. And they're doing powerful things, but it's not necessarily of God. Oftentimes you'll find when you really look into it that it's something that's pulling people away from God or distracting them from God, and those would be demonic forces. The Bible talks about this in 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see what, what, whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into this world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. See, the Holy Spirit's main work is to bring about glory for the name of Jesus. Bring about people confessing his name, worshiping his name, giving him all glory, honor, and credit. The Holy Spirit is concerned about getting people to Jesus. 
And anything that is pulling away from Jesus or, or pulling people away from the most important, crucial beliefs about Jesus is not of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always pointing people to Jesus. He's always pointing people to his deity, to his perfection and his work on the cross. Through the saving work of Jesus, that is what the Holy Spirit is always doing now in this church age, is pushing people towards Jesus, bringing light to Jesus. I'm going to keep saying Jesus because that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. Are you with me? So there are other forces in this world, but the Bible tells us to test them. Is this bringing glory to Jesus? Is this upholding the most important and foundational truths about Jesus? it's not, then it's not of God. It's not of the Spirit. And so the question oftentimes is, okay, what has the Holy Spirit done? Like, what was he doing eternally? What was he doing in the Old Testament, right? Did they have the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, or was it just not the same way? And people are often confused by that. The Holy Spirit was clearly working throughout the Old Testament, but he's working in a new way in the New Testament. So I want to clarify that. People are always like, oh, the Holy Spirit wasn't in the Old Testament. That's not true. Open your Bibles, you will see the Holy Spirit everywhere, like everywhere. You can't flip a page without finding the Holy Spirit almost. He's everywhere. And the Holy, um, the Holy Spirit worked in four similar ways in the Old Testament that he does in the New Testament. For regeneration, he indwells or come upon. Uh, he restrains sin or restrains things from happening. And he empowered people for service. You see this with the prophets and other characters in the Old um, Testament. The Holy Spirit was clearly working in their lives. So I want to be clear about that. The Holy Spirit was working in the Old Testament. He didn't just like uh, pop up out of thin air at Pentecost. Um, He's been working and always was working. And we don't have enough time to go through all of those texts um, showing how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. But it's, it's important to note that he has always been working. But he is working in a new more powerful, more personal, and more purposeful way today. When Jesus said that he would send his helper, and he, he did so at Pentecost, the disciples received power from on high, and the Holy Spirit is working in a more personal and purposeful way today through the church, right? Because the work of Jesus Christ made that possible for us. We talk often of having a personal relationship with Jesus, right? But that's possible only through the Holy Spirit, right? Because we'll we'll get to this in a second, but Jesus says that it's better for me to go and send the Holy Spirit because he can be with all of you. I can only be with some of you, right? That's the idea here. And so for us to have a personal relationship with Jesus... For us to have connection with God, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And so that is the way he's working today. It's more personal and purposeful than it was in the Old Testament. But the Holy Spirit was working throughout the Old Testament. It's important to note that. So what is he doing now? The Holy Spirit is doing a lot of things. Like if you look in your Bible where it talks about the Holy Spirit, and I would encourage you, all of these sermon notes are in the app. I would, I would encourage you to go read these scriptures on your own time because we don't have enough time to read them all. But he is doing a lot. And it's important to know that he's doing these things in your life or wants to do these things in your life. Because Christianity, when you look at the Bible, it can be overwhelming. Right? When you open up the Bible, you're like, geez, there's a lot of do's and don'ts in here. 
Like, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Like, I fall short of these things. How in the world am I supposed to do this? And it's overwhelming to people, especially at the beginning. But then you get into it, and then you know what happens? You're like, oh, okay, I'm doing this well, doing that well. And all of a sudden, you're really prideful. And now you're like, great, now I'm prideful. <laughs> and I'm judgmental. And you're like, I'm still struggling, even after all these years. That's when we do it in the flesh. When we do it in the flesh, when we do it in our own human ability, we're always going to fall short, church. We're always going to feel like it's too hard. Conquering that sin is too hard. Doing the good works that he wants me to do is too hard. Standing up for his name is too hard. Serving God's people, serving God is too hard. I can't do it. I'm tired. But you need to know that you need the Holy Spirit to do any of it. So some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. We have a slides for these. I would encourage you in the sermon notes, you can go and read these on your own time. He regenerates us. He's making us new. That's the most important one. Like he's regenerating us. He's changing us from the inside out. He empowers us. He guides us. He comforts us. He helps us. He intercedes for us. That's amazing. He's interceding for us. He indwells us. He seals us for salvation. He convicts the world of sin. He teaches. He restrains sin. He commands us. He gives us words to speak. He produces fruit. And he gives spiritual gifts. It's a lot. Those are the main ones. You'll probably find some other similar ones that he does as well. But those are the main things that we see in the New Testament of him doing. Those are a lot. And let me tell you, you need him to do every single one of those things in your life. For you to have a personal relationship with God. For you to serve For you to love like Christ loved, you have to have the Holy Spirit in you. You have to have the Holy Spirit upon you. You need the Holy Spirit. Anytime you're feeling weak or tired, anytime you're feeling it's too hard, you need to go and ask for the Holy Spirit. Amen? You need His power. You cannot do it on your own. Now, there's a long list there. You could break all those things up into really three categories. The Holy Spirit is with us, the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. You see those terms used throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit is with us, He is in us, and He is upon us. Today, I really want us to focus on the with us. Next week, we'll be talking about the in us. And last week, we, the last week of the series, we will be talking about the upon us. Now, you're like, aren't you just kind of splicing up terms here? How are these different? Well, let me, let me show you. Um, in Scripture, it talks about him being in the world. The Holy Spirit is with the whole world, convicting them of sin, commanding things, restraining things from happening. He's working with the whole world. And more importantly, with the whole world, he is pointing them to Jesus. That is the main work that he is doing in the world, is bringing the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Bringing about the glory of God in the name of Jesus. So he's with the entire world making this happen. It is impossible for anyone to receive the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and he makes it possible for us to receive He makes it possible for us to understand. So I have three, 
um, really four texts that we're going to go over to really explore this idea of being with us and pointing us to Jesus. And then next week we'll talk about in us. This is where he's producing fruit. He's producing righteousness. He's sanctifying us. He's making us look more and more like Jesus. And the last week we'll be talking about upon us. This is when he comes upon you and gives you spiritual gifts for ministry. Okay? I'm going to break these up in three sections like that. The first is with us. John 15, 26 is where we'll start. Jesus speaking here says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So he's saying, I will send the Helper, and he will bear witness about me. This is the main work of the Holy Spirit in the world today, is to bear witness about Christ. Um, Aaron, we have another text. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. <laughs> Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. See, he's bringing witness of, of Jesus to people, and he's working in them so that they can say that Jesus is Lord. He's working in us when we make the confession. This is the goal. He's working in all of the world. He's with all of the world, bringing about the witness of Jesus so that they can say, Jesus is Lord. That's the entire goal of the Holy Spirit in the world right now, is that Christ would be known. Right? We're a church plant. That's what we want, isn't it? We want Christ's name to be known, right? We don't want Stephen's name to be known or any of our names or Austin Chapel's name. What we ultimately want is the glory of God to be brought about in the name of Jesus, that people would be living for the glory of God in the name of Jesus, that they would, they would witness his work, that they would see his work in their lives. They would see transformation and change. All of these things are are brought about the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about planning a church, when we talk about reaching the lost, when we talk about changing the city for the better, we can't do any of it apart from the Holy Spirit. Any of it. Because it's His work, ultimately. We have a longer text here. John 16, 5 through 15, we'll read here. But now I am going to Him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this, the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the main reason that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, is to glorify Jesus and be a witness of Jesus to the world. We have to clarify this because there are some times in Christianity where they take a certain work of the Holy Spirit and elevate it over the cross. They elevate it over the glory of Jesus. The ultimate work, the ultimate sign of someone having the Holy Spirit or not is if they confess Jesus. It's not the spiritual gifts. Those are third tier. You have to understand that. We have to understand that, church. The gifts are awesome. In week three, you better be here. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about them. Amen? Those are great. But they are third tier. First tier is that people confess Jesus, that people know Jesus, that people begin a personal relationship with Jesus and live for his glory. First tier. Second tier is that they begin to produce righteousness in their life because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And then third tier, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and empowers them for ministry in various types of gifts. That's the order that we see importance in Scripture. First tier is what we're talking about today, and that that is that we would confess and know Jesus and glorify him. Amen? That's what I'm excited about. Like, that's the thing that this church is all about, is Jesus' name, his glory, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have one more text here, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are, they are discerned only through the Spirit. Again, church, we have to have the Holy Spirit. If I'm making anything clear here is that the work of Jesus The work of planning a church, the work of seeing the lost saved is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We just come along for the ride. And that's humbling, but it's also relieving, isn't it? It's really, really refreshing to know it's not your responsibility to change people's hearts because you can't do it. You just can't do it. You can't even change your own heart. God comes in and works through us and in us. You know, that is so refreshing for me because when we're planning a church or we're reaching out to people, you know, most of I have, we have, you know, we have, we have someone that we've been praying for and reaching out to for three years, you know, three years of inviting and, and, and Melissa mostly, but it's, you know, and it's like you, you sometimes are like, come on, it's just, please just get to know Jesus, please. And, and you see signs that seem in the right direction, but at the end of the day, I can just say it's in the Lord's hands. And it doesn't matter how well you communicate it or don't, right? That's also relieving. You could communicate the gospel in the most elaborate, you know, well-said way. And they go, nah, I'm good. Or you could communicate it in broken English, stumbling over your words, tripping over your tongue, Maybe even saying things that are a little bit off. And they would go, I'm ready. I want to accept Jesus. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit working on hearts that are willing to receive. And that's relieving to me. To know that we just do our work and trust God with it. Amen? 
We need the Holy Spirit, church. There's, there's anything that I am more um, convinced of now than ever before in planting this church, than ever before in my life, is that the world needs the Holy Spirit, and I need the Holy Spirit, and you guys need the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited for this series because today, you know, we're learning that it is through his power that Jesus' name will be known. But it's also in his power next week that righteousness comes about in our life. That we have power to defeat sin in our life. That we have power to do good works in our life. And lastly, the third week that we have power to minister is only through the Holy Ghost. Today we're going to be partaking of communion. And communion was instated by Jesus to do in remembrance of him. And, you know, today we, we talked about how the Holy Spirit works with people to bring them to the realization of Jesus. But I, but I would say, too, that communion is something that it can get kind of rhythmic, and, and you do it in a pattern, and maybe you've been doing it for many years, and you just lose the beauty of it, right? It's not this... It's not the same sacrament that it was to you at first. And the Bible tells us to take it reverently, humbly, confessing and remembering, right? confessing any sin that's still around, and remembering that he purchased us with his blood. Right? And the thing is, in your flesh, you can't really force yourself to get there. You really can't. Like, sometimes, you know, you could be sitting there like, all right, God, I guess I, I'm kind of sorry about that thing I did. I don't know. Please help me, I guess. In your flesh, you're not really going to have the moment that I want you to have during communion. You're really not. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to really help you remember that you were dead in your sins, that you were not worthy of the cross. You were not worthy of relationship with God. You were not worthy to spend eternal life with Him, but He came in. He died on the cross. He made the way. If we can't connect with that, if we can't remember that, if we can't really realize that, it's because you need the Holy Spirit right now. Would you open up your heart a little bit and say, Holy Spirit, please help me remember it. Please help me remember how much I need you, how lost I am without you. And you can come up. We are lost without him, right? So when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, that needs to have that context. That it's not just a cracker and juice that we partake of to look churchy. But it's the body and the cup, as Jesus said. Matthew 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took, the, took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is the forgiveness of sins. The work of Jesus is amazing. And today, I don't, I don't know if this is your thousandth time participating in the Lord's Supper. Or maybe you haven't, and you don't know. Like Maybe you've had doubts about Jesus. Maybe you've had doubts about where your relationship is at with him. Whatever it is, I want you to surrender to him. If it's the first time that you surrender to him, 
or, or it's just another time of re-surrendering your life to him. Let this time be a time where you remember the work of the cross and surrender your life to him because of it. You can come up, take the bread and the cup and t- sit down, take it at your own timing. Have a prayerful moment with Jesus. Remember what he's done for you. Surrender your life to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son and sending your Holy Spirit, God. We were lost with, without it. God, we were lost without you. You love us uh, so, so much, God, that you sent your only begotten Son. Lord, I pray that you would bring that about for us, the remembrance that we need, the reverence that we need, the confession that we need to have, the moment that we want to have with you, Lord, needs to be in your spirit. Lord, I pray for each person here. I, I, don't, I don't care what they've done or where they've been or who they think they are, Lord. Because you don't care anymore because it was washed in the blood of Jesus. It was washed away. Lord, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus.